0: This dynamic message is brought to you by Redemption in Jesus with Marco Rada. Here is the title of our message this morning. Freedom from bitterness. Simple. Just freedom from bitterness. Now, we all know and have a good idea what bitterness is, but just for the sake of the message and to refresh and remind us what it is, I want to speak to us today, about that today. Because, you know, oftentimes one of the um, tendencies we have as believers is to think that because we are believers, because we've received salvation in Jesus, that bitterness is no longer an issue in our lives. And, you know, I can tell you, being a believer for decades now, I can tell you that it is probably more of an issue, or it has been, not it is, but it has been more of an issue in my life than it was before that. Because before that, not being saved, you know, unsaved people justify bitterness. They don't see it as something that could hinder their lives, and maybe they do, but they really just don't make an issue out of it. Even today, we see the unsaved. You know, part of the, who they are and what they do and how they operate is with bitterness. And they just see it as a natural uh, human emotion, a human thing that they experience. And it's just part and parcel of who they are. And, you know, they get to exercise it and they get to impose it on others. But for us as believers and just as humans, really, God tells us that it's not good for us. And, you know, that what it can do to us. And so I want to refresh us about that today, and I want to speak to you about that today. I believe that there's someone watching, there's someone listening, who needs to hear this word, because you've been knocking on heaven's door, and you've been saying, God, why is this? Why is this not? Why? What is this? You feel frustrated. You feel irritated. You're angry at some people around you. You're angry at people that may be at work, you know, maybe in your family, and you just feel just frustrated, and it could just well be or have turned into bitterness, and you need to hear this today, because I really do believe this is what God wants us to hear today. Now, if for any reason this is a non-issue for you at this time, it'll help you minister and be a blessing to someone else. It'll help you pray for those who may be dealing with this. Either way, we can never be without learning and knowing more about it. Amen. And so, let's talk about freedom from bitterness. Well, first of all, bitterness is typically defined as a deep-seated and long-lasting negative emotion which is characterized by resentment, cynicism, and hostility. That's some of the ways that you can define um, bitterness. Bitterness often arises from feelings of injustice betrayal, disappointment, or perceived unfair treatment. And this is why I'm saying to you, you know, if you're around another human being, you're prone to experience some form of bitterness. Now, some people like to say, well, it's just resentment. Well, resentment is bitterness. It's just perhaps a lighter form of bitterness, but that's what it is. And so bitterness can fester over time. And those who harbor it may find it difficult to let go of past grievances. You know, as a child, like many of you, if not all of you, we've all experienced tragedy. We've all experienced mistreatment. We've all experienced, you know, injustice, unfairness. There's always been someone who has not done right by us or treated us right. And, uh, you know, we've all had our hearts broken at some point. We've been disappointed. We've been betrayed by people. And so we all have a very good idea of what bitterness is. But the key thing to remember is, is that not to let it stay in our hearts. We don't want to keep it there because it's destructive. It only destroys us. It doesn't destroy the other person. They don't care. They move on. Amen. And so because of that, we want to make sure that we understand it. And so what I've said so far is how bitterness is defined. And besides all of that, bitterness can have a profound impact on one's emotional and mental well-being. You know, one of the things that this younger generation is big on these days is mental health, mental well-being. Well, I can tell you that bitterness plays a big role in good mental health. Because, you know, the moment someone doesn't agree with you and you feel strong about something, they get bitter with that person. Then they try and turn the blame on that person. Well, but it's driven by bitterness. And bitterness can affect one's emotional and mental well-being. And so, but not just that, it also affects their relationships. Isn't that so? I mean, if you are bitter towards someone, you are not going to enjoy that relationship like you could and like you should. Bitterness destroys our relationships. It prevents us from enjoying further relationships, making new relationships, because we're always on guard. And so bitterness infiltrates our whole life. It infiltrates our heart. And without realizing perhaps at times, because we're so engulfed in the bitterness state that has come upon us, we don't realize that it's actually changing us as people. It's changing our character. It's changing our values. It's changing how we feel toward others and how we feel about life. And you can often tell someone who is bitter because, like I said earlier, you know, they are negative. They, they are resentful. They, they are cynical. They're hostile. Find fault with everything. Never happy about everything or anything. Always just you know, being contentious and fighting and just not wanting this and not wanting that and devaluing this one and pulling this one down. It's just those are all signs of someone who is bitter. And so that's what we want to explore today. Now, <clears throat> while bitterness may be a natural fallen human experience, we have to understand that it is still destructive. You know, not so long ago I was speaking to someone and we were kind of alluding to bitterness without labeling it that. And so, you know, but this person had a comeback because I think they realized that I was picking up where they were at and I was trying to minister to them in a, you know, subtle way without coming on too strong or making it look like that's what I was doing. I believe God was just using me to expose that and help them. I could see that He wanted to help them. And the moment that they detected that, well, their back to me was, well, you know, this is natural. We're human. None of us are perfect. And so this is just part of it. So in other words, what she was saying to me is, is that, you know, I am bitter. I am bitter with those people. And I'm justified in being bitter because I'm human. <laughs> and so, you know, we had to go through that little conversation. And, you know, in truth, we, uh, we see often each other because of our work situation. But... Um, You know, I'm still planting those seeds in there because I believe God wants everyone free of bitterness because bitterness is destructive. And I know that you agree with that because how else can it be beneficial in any other way? Amen. Now, someone may say, well, how can I tell if I may have a problem with bitterness? It's a very good question, which I would like to attempt to answer today very simply. So someone may say, how can I tell if I may have a problem with bitterness? The answer is simple. If you often find yourself experiencing and harboring pain from people, most likely bitterness is an issue in your life. They may not intend to offend you. They may not intend to make you bitter. But because you're so accustomed to receiving things that way, you just automatically experience bitterness toward them when they don't say something that pleases you or something that you expected to hear from them. They may not have meant it that way, but you just learn to receive everything through a filter of bitterness. And so if you often find yourself experiencing or harboring pain from people, it's a sign that there may just be an oversensitive bitterness aspect to your character, to your life that it may be a problem, an issue, to be quite frank with you. And so what that also means is is that you place too much confidence and faith in people, probably, and that's why you often experience and harbor pain when they don't do as you expect them to do. And so that's how it comes about. That's how you can tell and how you can know. And of course, we know that God's desire is for us to live free, from bitterness. This is why our message is titled, Freedom from Bitterness. And I want to remind us about that to refresh us, to fine tune us, but also if the need is there to get rid of bitterness, let's get rid of it. And you know, I think that one of the worst forms of bitterness is bitterness that someone has toward themselves. A person who is bitter with themselves because they didn't achieve what they wanted to achieve in life. Because they, you know, they find that looking back after all the years and they know that they're closer to graduating toward heaven than they are to enjoying more life on earth they get bitter with themselves because they you know they evaluate themselves by I don't know whose standard and feel like they failed they haven't measured up they haven't done this they haven't done that and they're not going to do this for those left behind and the point is is that I don't think there's a single person that is fully satisfied at the end of their life if they are they're probably not telling us everything because, you know, we're human. That's true. And I don't think we're ever going to 100% fulfill and achieve everything that we wanted to do and achieve. And so I found, and, and I've met, you know, just a few individuals here and there who are so bitter with themselves that it's actually quite toxic and horrible. I, it, it's hard for me to be around someone who's bitter with themselves uh, it's very toxic. It's very negative. It's, 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 just, it's disturbing. And so that's probably the worst form of bitterness. And you know, either way, God's desire is for us to live free from bitterness. Amen. Yes, it begins with forgiveness. But why even get to the place where you have to forgive them? Because if you have to forgive someone, it means that you've already internalized that bitterness, that you've already received that bitterness, that you've given that bitterness home, and this is why now you find yourself in a place to actually forgive. So my point is, and, and this is possible with Jesus and the finished work of the cross, why let bitterness in at all? Why not just keep it out so you won't have to deal with forgiveness because that is a possibility and you're going to see that today. And so let's begin by looking at Hebrews chapter 12 verses 14 and 15 from the New King James translation. Now this is written to New Covenant believers and watch what it says. He says the author and I believe it's Paul but there's no proof of that but I believe it's him. But anyway regardless of that the author says, Pursue peace with all people. Notice, not some people or just those you like or just those you think you can have peace with. He says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Then it says, and this is what I want to draw your attention to, Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. So, if you're not at peace with everyone as much as it's within you, then you're going to fall short of the grace of God, it says. And then it says, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. So, bitterness will affect your revelation of grace and your living in the grace of God, and you will fall short of enjoying and living in the grace of God. That's what bitterness does. Um, Then it says, and by this many become defiled. In other words, many become corrupted by bitterness. So bitterness here is described as something that corrupts a person's heart, a person's character. But also it corrupts their faith because it prevents them from living in the grace of God and enjoying the grace of God fully and completely. Grace is the unmerited favor. I mean, who doesn't want to live with the most unmerited favor God has for them? Amen. And it says that bitterness can get in the way of that. It can prevent that. And also, it can corrupt the heart of others. Because it says, and by this many become the father. In other words, this is the experience of many in the body of Christ. Because they entertain Bitterness, so they end up falling short of the grace of God, and so in their minds, I think, why isn't grace working for me? Why isn't grace there? Why am I not experiencing a merited favor? It's there, God has given it all to us in Jesus, but that bitterness becomes like a hindrance, like a wall to prevent it from manifesting in our lives, amen. And so, <clears throat> I like the way the Passion Translation puts that same portion. Especially verse 15, in actual fact. I like the way it puts verse 15 to help us just understand it better. So watch us. Here it is from the Passion Translation. It says, Watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. And make sure no one lives with the root of bitterness. You see, it's rooted bitterness. Don't let it take root in your heart sprouting, in other words, producing, beginning to grow within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. So what bitterness does is it begins as a little seed, it becomes a sprout, and then what it does is cause trouble in that person's life and it poisons their heart. Can you see that? But more than that, that's all in the context of missing on the revelation of grace, which means also living in the grace of God. You see, the enemy will do everything he can to try and make you bitter because he doesn't want you living in grace. He doesn't want you living in unmerited favor. He doesn't want you to receive the revelation or further revelation of grace because grace is the unmerited favor. But if you're bitter towards someone, it's a legalistic thing. And so, it's hard for you to see grace as non legalistic when you're functioning by a legalistic aspect. And so, that's what this is saying right here. So, what we see also from that portion is is that bitterness is infectious, right? It infects, it affects the heart, it poisons the heart. I don't want that in my heart. And it only causes trouble and corrupts the heart of those who harbor it, it says. Because notice, it has to be rooted. So is it okay to feel a little bitter at times? Well, you know, I can try and speak Christianese and say no. But we all know, including me, that there are times when we, just for that moment, just for those few minutes, we like, want to strangle someone. We want to just do something to them. Well, that's bitterness. <laughs> you can call it anger, call it whatever you like. It's driven by bitterness. And so at the end of the day, it's, the issue is with harboring it, with letting it take root in our hearts that's why the passion amplifies it so beautifully from the original but you know above above everything we've seen here it prevents someone from getting a proper revelation of God's grace and therefore living in God's grace and that's not God's heart for us amen I mean he's provided his grace for us in and through Jesus because he wants us to live in it and enjoy it but bitterness can be an issue and so without understanding grace You cannot truly live in grace. So that's the goal of bitterness, is to prevent a new covenant believer from living and understanding the grace of God. That's a good reason for us to get rid of bitterness and not let it take root in our hearts. Amen? I mean, I don't want to miss out on all that God has provided for me in and through Jesus. And I'm sure that you feel the same way. So we've got to not even let bitterness in. Yes, we may experience it for a moment. Yes, we may feel it for a little while. But don't let it take root. Let it go. Forgive and just move on. Amen. That's in essence what we are seeing here. But now, because we live in a fallen world, here's the point. At some point, (laughs) we will be treated in a way that will make us bitter. Isn't that so? No matter how qualified you are, no matter how much you achieve, no matter how gorgeous you may be, no matter how good looking you think you may be, male or female, no matter how gifted you are, how well spoken you are, no matter how you are the, you know, when you walk in a room, every head turns or everyone wants to be with you and spend time with you. No matter which side of the scale you are or where you think you are, at the end of the day, if you live in this fallen world, which we all do, at some point, you are going to be mistreated. You are going to be treated by someone else that will make you bitter. There will be someone jealous who doesn't like you having the limelight, and they'll do something to make you bitter. They'll find fault where there is no fault. They'll spread rumors. They'll post something on social media that is going to be unfavorable towards you. Because we live in a world where we will be treated or mistreated by someone else sadly. And because of that, we need to be ready. But the question is, will we remain bitter or will we let it go? When someone mistreats you, will you now remain bitter or will you let it go? Will you let it bounce off? You know, one of the things that um, when I was in the army, I remember just while we were doing our basic training, the first three months after you know being recruited um, we towards the end of the three months we got a weekend off we couldn't go home but we could hang around the town where we where our base was and so there was a beautiful lake and we heard about it and most of the guys used to go there most of them used to go and drink and party and go wild and try and meet women and so forth you know but there were those of us who wanted to go and just sit in a different environment just enjoy fresh air and some guys would go fishing And so we went in with a group and we were sitting there and not before long it started raining and it wasn't hard rain. Now we've just come out of our basic training so you know we had done 40, 50 mile walks with our full gear with storms and mud and everything. So a little rain wasn't going to do anything to us and we knew that it wasn't going to last long because it wasn't all that cloudy. And so we just sat there, we just waited, we got wet and we knew we would get dry after the fact. And so, But I remember sitting there watching these ducks that were in the middle of this lake and close to us. And, you know, they were like getting food and they were just swimming and quack quacking and whatever else they do. And it began to rain. They didn't move. They didn't go and say, oh, guys, it's raining. Let's fly away. Let's get away from here. They just stayed right there like we did. But the difference between them and us was is that as the rain fell on us, our clothes soaked it in. It made us wet. Whereas with the ducks, because of the way their feathers are, the water just bounced right off. It just slid right off. So really, if you're a duck, you didn't actually get wet. You didn't feel anything. And that's how it was for them. And so I remember, you know, when I was preparing for this, I remember that scenario and thinking about that. And I thought, well, this is how it needs to be when it comes to bitterness. We need to be like a duck in a lake or in a pond in the middle of rain, and it doesn't affect us at all. It just bounces right off of us. It doesn't internalize. It doesn't infiltrate us. It doesn't get soaked by us. It just bounces right off. Amen. And that's what we need to do with bitterness. That's the best way to handle it. I'm going to show you something today that I believe will bless you. That will also just illustrate that from God's Word. So, we need to just let it go. Some of the things that we need to understand, that we do understand about bitterness, is is that bitterness is unseen. It is subtle, but it's destructive. You can meet someone, and I have, you can meet someone who's real friend and sweet, you know, towards you. They, they, They put on this persona, and you would think, it doesn't look like they have any issues at all. And you know, most of us learn to fake it until we make it real well. And so that's what happens. But yet, deep on the inside, there could be this unseen, subtle, destructive um, bitterness. Amen? So bitterness, now listen to these carefully, because this is powerful and this is true. Bitterness can make you feel dead while you're still alive. I've seen that, and I've lived through that. Because I've had some things in my life that had happened to me that others have done. And until I had a revelation of you know, what bitterness can do to me and let it go and forgive and not even let it in, it can make you feel dead while you're alive. It's true. Bitterness can make you feel buried while you are living. You know, those are some of the ways you can describe bitterness. Bitterness deadens you while you live, if you let it. And that's why we don't want bitterness in our life. Amen. And so one of the better examples that we see in the Bible of someone who lived free from bitterness, someone who had every opportunity to become bitter, to let bitterness just take over their life and just be a bitter person and just, you know, (laughs) live out of bitterness. If there was someone... In the Bible and I'm sure some of you already got a clue and you have mentioned his name but if there's someone you know who had every opportunity but yet chose to live free from bitterness it was Joseph amen I mean think about Joseph he was one of the 12 sons of Jacob one of the 12 tribes one of the fathers of the 12 tribes and yet He was just disliked by his brothers because his father favored him, made him this multicolored coat, you remember? And when he sent them out with the sheep, he kept Joseph behind because he wanted to protect him. He loved him. He was close to him. And then his father sends him out and says, Go check on your brothers and the flocks and just see how they're doing. Take them a little food. He has a little cheese. Go take it out to them. And then come back and tell me how they're doing and how it's going with the flocks. Well, Joseph never returned after that. Why? Because his brothers were so jealous when they saw him coming. They captured him. They stripped him of his coat. They threw him in a well, a dry well. And they were trying to figure out what they're going to do with him and how they're going to get rid of him. And eventually they decided, well, here we see some foreign traders coming away. Let's sell him as a slave to them. And for 30 pieces of silver, they sold him as a slave. Their own brother. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine... If you have more a brother or sister or more siblings, can you imagine them ganging up against you and selling you off to be a slave, to be trafficked somewhere? I mean, it's horrible. And yet that's what they did. And so then they go and kill an animal, smear the blood of that animal on the coat and take it back to their father and say, well, Jacob, I'm sorry, but we found this. And of course, what is he going to think? That some wild, crazy beast animal killed his son. And so he, for years, for decades, He's, that father suffered, but also Jacob, uh, Joseph went through a horrible time. But you know that God had given him dreams, which is one of the reasons why they were jealous. Because God had revealed to Joseph that he would use him eventually to save his people. You remember? I don't have to tell you the whole story. I know that you're familiar with that, but I would recommend and and, you know... Go and you can read it, of course, if you like reading and if you enjoy it that way. But if you have an audio Bible, go listen to it. Genesis chapter 37 all the way through to chapter 50 is more or less the whole account of Joseph. And it's pretty awesome just to hear it. I was listening to it again, uh, listening to it again yesterday and just enjoyed it. You know, I have a dramatized version of the Bible and a non-dramatized. I personally prefer the non-dramatized and so I was listening to that, and it was just so wonderful to, in light of what I was preparing, just to hear the wonderful courage and, and heart free of bitterness that Joseph had. And so all of this happened to him. As you know, he was sold as a slave. Then he became a slave of Potiphar, the captain of the guard. And his wife lied about him and said, he tried to hit on me, and he was put in jail again. And then in jail, the jailer put him in charge of running the jail And there he meets two people that worked for the Pharaoh, for the king. And, you know, revealed their dreams to them. And they came to pass. And he made the one promise that he would mention him to Pharaoh and rescue him. And he forgot about him. It took another two years before, you know, he would be remembered when Pharaoh had dreams. And as you know, Joseph was called in. And he revealed the dreams by the power of God, by the revelation of God. And Pharaoh, long story short, made him second in charge next to Pharaoh himself over the land of Egypt to rescue Egypt and really the rest of the world through a famine that they would go through. And so that's what happened with him. But this whole time, Joseph had every opportunity to become bitter with his brothers, to harbor resentment, unforgiveness, just be totally bitter. And he could have been a horrible person if he wanted to. And when he became second in charge, He could have sent for his brothers. He could have had his brothers executed. He could have had vengeance if he wanted to. But he didn't. Because he understood how horrible, how destructive bitterness can be. And so he never entertained that. And that's the heart that God wants us to have. You know, one of the reasons why that whole account is in the Bible, I believe, is for us to see the heart that God wants us to have. And the heart that He wants us to live with. When it comes specifically to not entertaining or having bitterness in our lives. Amen. And so I want to show you something that in Genesis we read about Joseph. And it's pretty powerful because from this we're going to draw some principles. We're going to draw some truths that will reconnect us to the wonderful grace of God, but also how we should have a heart that just like a duck in a pond just is not affected by rain at all. Our hearts are not affected by bitterness at all. So watch us now what it says about Joseph. And you'll see there's powerful principles here. So pay close attention. Genesis 49 verse 22 to 24. Watch us. Joseph is a fruitful vine. So he's likened to a vine that produces lots of fruit. Interesting. This is in the midst of everything he was going through. A fruitful vine near a spring. Please pay close attention to what I've emboldened there. Because we're going to talk about it in a moment. Whose branches climb over a wall. Look at that. So the picture that we are, that's painted here that we are seeing is, is that Joseph is likened to a fruitful vine that just keeps growing, 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 climbing the wall. But not just that at all, it climbs over the wall. And it's because it is connected to a spring of water pretty powerful, isn't it? Then it says, watch this, verse 23, with bitterness, archers attacked him. It's talking about everything he went through, including with his brothers. They shot at him with hostility. In other words, he had every opportunity to be bitter and become bitter because those who were bitter with him attacked him. Then it says, but his bow remained steady. His strong arms stayed limber. And here's the reason why. Two reasons. Because of the hand of the Almighty One of Jacob. In other words, his father who he had made a covenant with. Because of the shepherd. Now notice, he has Jesus involved. The rock of Israel. So in other words, because Joseph kept his heart guarded and just let bitterness bounce right off. God Himself and the Lord Jesus were able to strengthen him make, him, make Him strong, and endure and live through what He went through, without any bitterness. Amen? I mean, it's pretty powerful, wouldn't you agree? So, without God, and in actual fact, before we carry on, let me, I was looking for a picture of a vine going over a wall, and what it looked like, because I wanted to see it. And let me tell you, some of these vines are pretty impressive how they grow, not just up, and they climb walls. It can be as high as anything. They'll climb it anyway. And not just that, but they'll also go over the wall. It's pretty powerful. So let me show you. It's going to come up now. All right, so there is a picture of a very high wall. I don't think you can actually see how high it is, but because the camera is right at the bottom and it's zoomed in, so it's actually very high. But you can see that this vine has grown from the other side and has climbed over and is growing down on this side. And I mean, this is a huge wall. I guess you can see by the size of the stones that make up this ancient wall. And so that's an example of that. And that's what this is talking about. It's saying that Jacob is a fruitful vine. In other words, it's producing lots, but also it is near a spring, near a source of water. And Its branches climb over the wall. So in other words, despite what everything, everything that he went through and everything he was put through, he was always fruitful. He always climbed every wall that was put in front of him because he was connected to a water source. And God himself and the Lord Jesus were involved in that because he kept his heart pure. Pretty impressive, wouldn't you agree? Mm -hmm. So without God... Living free from bitterness is impossible. That's some of the things that we see in that portion. Now notice that Joseph, it tells us, because that's why this is all there. It's telling us this, that Joseph lived above and beyond limitations. Isn't that what, in essence, what it's saying when that, you know, the grows over the wall? He didn't live within those limitations. Even though he was a slave, even though he was a prisoner, he lived above and beyond limitations. Amen. Why? Because he would not harbor bitterness. Doesn't that tell us in that portion? Didn't we see that? It's because he wouldn't harbor bitterness. Can you see where I'm going with this? Can you see what God is saying to you in this message? (laughs) You see, he lived above and beyond limitations because he trusted God always. Amen. And you know, we've all got to do that. When people mistreat us, when people don't treat us right, Yes, sometimes we need to just do a little defending. We need to speak up. But beyond, beyond all of that, we need to ultimately trust God with the situation and with the people. Amen? And that's what we see here. Now, if Joseph could do it, we can do it. How much more can we do it? Because we have Jesus and the finished work of the cross on our side. He didn't have that yet. He had tops and shadows, but he didn't have that. Amen? And if he could do it, We can certainly do it. Now, think of the walls that may be limiting you today. I am sure that you can think of a few walls that you're facing. Amen? Now, the question that I have to ask in the context of what I'm speaking about. Could they be there because of bitterness? Maybe just maybe. But maybe it's just life. Maybe it's just the enemy trying to attack you. Maybe it's just other people, you know, and their decisions, whatever it is. The good news is, is is that you don't have to stay limited by them. Can I hear a good amen there? It's true, amen. God doesn't want you limited by those walls that you're facing because He just showed us and He said, you can grow and climb those walls and then in actual fact, you can climb over those walls and be fruitful. But what was the key to Joseph's climbing over the walls of limitation? What was the key to that? Remember this? It's coming up now. Genesis 49.22, we saw it there. Joseph is a fruitful vine. And a fruitful vine, there's the key. Near a spring whose branches climb over a wall. You see, that was the key for Joseph. He was near a spring. In other words, it's a type and shadow of God as his source and the source of his nutrition, the source of his nourishment, which is his word, his promises. Amen. I mean, there's enough scripture that shows us that. So in essence, what this is telling us is is that the reason why Joseph was fruitful, climbed every wall that he faced, and then he climbed over the wall that he faced, and he succeeded was because he was connected to God. He was connected to God's promises. He was connected to God and what God said, instead of anything else or someone else. Amen. I mean, that's the key right then. It's powerful. He was rooted by a spring of water, which is a type of God's Word. Psalm 1 verse 2 and 3 basically tells us the same thing. Here it is here, talking about someone who is in that situation but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, you know, this is written to an old covenant about old covenant people who were still under the law. In our case, it would be who is whose delight is in Jesus and the finished work of the cross, the new covenant, you could say, or grace, ultimately, you could say, Um, and who meditates on his law day and night. In other words, he's familiar with God's word, with God's ways. That person is like a tree planted by a stream, uh, by streams of water. See that? Which yields its fruit in a season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. See? Whatever situation they're in, they will prosper. Just like Joseph. He was a slave. He was a prisoner. You know, in human terms, he didn't have certain rights. But even in the midst of all that, he prospered. And we know that he did. Amen. And so ultimately, we see that the key for Joseph was being connected to God and his word, to God and his promises. You know, in our society today, they make a joke of someone who lives by God's promises. I've seen them ridicule on television. I've been around people who ridicule. Oh, you still believe that old book. You still believe those promises. You know, these are modern times. We've moved on. Move on and stay with us. (laughs) There's so much of that going on. But yet, God is God. And He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And therefore, we can count on His Word. We can count on His promises and stay believing and trusting Him. Amen. Amen. You see, Joseph, what we see there is lived focus on God and His Word, His promises. Isn't that so? I mean, He spoke about those. He interpreted those dreams. He lived by those dreams. That was the type of God's Word and living by His promises. And that's what He did. And that's how He was able to stay plugged into that stream and thus grow and climb over the walls. So the walls weren't removed, but He climbed over them. So there was nothing that could limit Him. But also, it was keeping bitterness out of His heart. Amen. I sense the anointing right now. Some of you, there's some things that you still want to see in your life. You've been trusting God for certain things. And the devil's trying to tell you, you know, give up. Forget about it. It's too late. Or, you know, you've got, it's just not possible right now. You don't have the resources. And I hear God saying, not just to you, but to us too as a church. I hear God saying, just stay plugged into the stream. You're climbing that wall. You're going to get over that wall. And you are going to continue being fruitful. And you will prosper in all you do. Amen. That's a prophetic word for someone right there. And so in order to climb over the walls, life puts before you, you have to dwell by God and His promises. Our branches cannot grow over the walls of limitation if trusting and depending on God is not where we draw nourishment and strength from. Amen. We have to do that. I mean, think about the Samaritan woman at the well. You remember that situation? Jesus was there. His disciples had gone to get food. She came in the middle of the day when no one else came to get water because she didn't want to deal with the bitterness and everything, and you know that she would face the ridicule, the criticism. And so she was there, and she would not have grown and climbed over that wall in her life, over the other walls that she faced in her life, were it not for the water of God's Word. Isn't that what Jesus said to her? I mean, in essence, you could say that Jesus said to her exactly what we've seen in Joseph, what we've seen in Psalms tell us to do. Stay plugged into the stream, the source of God and His Word and His promises, trusting and depending on Him, and you will climb the walls and climb over those walls. I mean, look at this in John 4, verse 13 and 14, what Jesus said to her. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. He's talking about the well that she came to get water from. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. In other words, lady, you can climb this wall. You can grow over this wall by drawing from what I have to give you. Amen. And that's the finished work of the cross and redemption. Praise God. And so we see how that talks about us as well. Now, if Joseph had not drawn nourishment from God and His promises, he would have really been no different than his brothers. Wouldn't you agree? He would have been the same as his brothers. He would have accepted his fate. His brothers would have moved on like they did, clearly. And so we wouldn't have even read about him, probably. But it's because he chose to draw nourishment from God and His Word. And the key thing is keep bitterness out of his heart. Amen. We need to want to break free and climb over the walls of limitation in our lives. Isn't that so? God is not going to force us to climb the walls. God is not going to force us to go over the walls. He's made every provision for us in Jesus, but he's never going to force it on us. We need to make the choice and and accept the fact that, yes, I have Jesus in the finished work of the cross and I want that working in my life. Thank you, Father, that it works in my life. I receive it. But also, more importantly, I will not entertain bitterness. I will be like a duck in the rain. It's going to just bounce right off of me and it's not going to get into me. Amen? We need to make that choice. God always lets us make the choice. He's never going to force us not to receive bitterness. I mean, I think about the man uh, by the pool of Bethesda who was there for years and years. He was lame. And, you know, he was born that way as far as I remember. And, you know, he just couldn't get healed. And even when Jesus was there, Jesus could have just healed him. But he gave him the choice because God gives us the choice. So what I'm saying to you with that. is is that if you are ready to climb over those walls of limitation, make the choice today. I am not going to entertain bitterness. I'm not going to harbor it. I'm not going to keep it there. I'm not going to even let it in. Amen. I mean, look at this in John 5, verse 5 and 6, that account that I'm talking about here. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Look at that. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? See? He didn't just heal him. He asked him, Do you want this? And it's the same thing for us today. Just like Jesus didn't force healing on this man, God isn't going to force us to let go of bitterness. We need to want to let it go because we want to climb those walls. We want to climb over those walls and have just get over those limitations and enjoy all that God has for us in Jesus. Amen. Amen. The choice was this man. We've got to want to climb over, over those walls of limitations and let go of bitterness. Praise God. And the only way to do it is by looking at our life the way God sees our life. Amen. Remember, we read this in Psalm 1 verse 3. Here it comes again. This is the way God sees our life and wants to see our life. That person is like a tree planted by the streams of water. We've already discussed that about being plugged into the stream. Which yields its fruit in its season. Look at that. And whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. That's a snapshot of how God sees our life. And how He wants our life to be. Amen. Amen. He wants us yielding fruit, producing fruit and not withering, not being affected by anything and prospering in all that we do, growing and climbing every wall that we may face and gaining the victory over it. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. You see, this is how Joseph saw his life and how we need to see our lives. When he was in jail for years, that's how he saw his life. When he was uh, enslaved, that's how he saw his life. When he was a prisoner, I've already said that, that's how he saw his life. Amen. And we need to see our lives the same way. Learning to handle mistreatment is the key to overcoming the limitations that stand in our way. Because they won't make us bitter, therefore we will grow over those walls. Let me say that again. Learning to handle mistreatment is the key to overcoming limitations that stand in in our way. I, I hope you're hearing that. I hope you're receiving that. You are going to be mistreated. Now I know the name it and claimers will say. That's a negative confession. I don't receive that. Well here we are in this fallen world right. You are going to be mistreated. The best of people will mistreat you. The ones that you have the most affection for. And grow, grow the closest to. Will mistreat you. This is why we need to be like a duck. And just let it bounce right off. Because when we learn to handle mistreatment the way Joseph handled mistreatment, we will not allow bitterness into our lives. And therefore, there will be nothing to hinder us from climbing and getting over the limitations that we face in life and growing over them. Amen. That's what I'm saying. Now, I want to show you something else here, which is the heart. that What I've just said is is actually described here. In this portion, Genesis 45, verse 3 to 7. Watch this. This is when Joseph now was ruler of Egypt under Pharaoh, and his brothers came. This is what happened. You tell me, before we read this, you tell me if you see any bitterness in Joseph anywhere. Okay? This will show you how bitterness-free he was. There was none in him. Watch this. Joseph said to his brothers. I am Joseph. He's now finally exposing himself to them because they didn't realize it was him. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him. Watch this. Because they were terrified at his presence. Rightly so, because of what they'd done to him. Right? Then it goes on and it says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph. He could have disowned them. But he he draws them close and tells them, I'm one of you. I'm your brother. Do you see any resentment there? (laughs) No. Then he says, the one you sold into Egypt. So he's pointing out their sin, their horribleness there. And now, watch this, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me. Can you see how there is absolutely no bitterness in him? Because he never allowed it in there, And this is why God described him as a vine that was fruitful, that would climb over any limitation he faced in life. And he did, as you know, right? He says, because it was to save the lives that God has sent me ahead of you. To save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, there, no plowing and reaping. But God, look at that, sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. In other words, to put it in my own words, what Joseph was really just saying there is, I'm not bitter. There's no root of bitterness in my life. There's no bitterness or resentment at all. Because I've stayed plugged into the stream, and I've held on to God and His promises. And what he said, I've experienced His grace And I see that there was a bigger picture here. God used it all for my good. And it's okay. Don't fear. Don't be concerned. I'm actually going to bless you because I'm in a position to bless you now and take care of you. That doesn't sound like someone with any kind of bitterness. Would you agree? You see, and going back to what God said about him, he's like a fruitful vine that climbs over the wall, climbs over that, and... He's just absolutely blessed. Because no bitterness got a hold of him. Amen. Mm -hmm. And that's how we live free of bitterness. You see, Joseph... Please listen to these carefully. Joseph could have let his past confine him. But he didn't. Right? Mm -hmm. Joseph could have let people define him. Those around him. But he didn't. Joseph could have let hardship and pain redefine him. But he didn't, right? All because he kept bitterness out of his life and out of his heart. You see, Joseph saw God's goodness in everything. When he spoke to his brothers, as you've just read, that shows you that Joseph saw God's goodness in everything. Amen? And that's what we need to do. And so as a result, he never fell short of God's grace. Because remember, we read earlier that when you entertain it, you fall short of God's grace. That's why Joseph never fell short of God's grace. And you see, God's heart is for you to climb over the walls that try to limit your life. And He has made every provision for us in Jesus. Amen? So never let something like bitterness stop you or get in the way. Amen. Let me say this. And Last thing. Listen to it carefully. I don't want you to misunderstand it. But listen to it carefully. By taking advantage of God's grace, you give bitterness the disadvantage. Isn't that so? Let me say it again. By taking advantage of God's grace, you give bitterness the disadvantage. Praise God. Amen. I trust that you receive that today because I can sense the anointing right now. I can sense God just doing awesome things in your life. I can see some of you just there's been these walls that you've been climbing, climbing, climbing and you've almost reached the point like oh, how much longer and I hear the Spirit of God saying you're about to go over the wall. That limitation is about to become a no limitation. It's, it's conquered already. Amen. So just hold fast, but never allow bitterness to get in your heart. Bitterness towards other people because they don't live up to what you expect. Just don't put that kind of confidence in them, that kind of faith in them. Trust God above all. If you're not happy with someone's confidence towards you, someone's faithfulness towards you, trust God to work in their hearts in your favor. Because that's what Joseph, that's what you need to do. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. We trust that you are blessed by this message. For more information about our ministry or to make a donation to help us continue spreading the gospel, please visit our website at redemptioninjesus.com.